Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera. And today we have a very special message from Pastor Nick from this previous Shabbat called The Plague. Uh, It's very relevant for today, and Pastor Nick goes through Uh, the words in Hebrew about plague and where you can find plague in the Bible and how obviously this is relevant for today. I hope you guys are blessed by this message. As always, you can reach out to us by emailing me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. And don't forget to live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and all of our social media platforms, as well as our website every Shabbat at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. God bless you guys, and enjoy this message from Pastor Nick. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm Pastor Nick Plummer with Beit Tehillah Congregation. Of course, Beit Tehillah means house of praise. And so once again, we're continuing uh, to do our live streaming, and I want to thank Pastor Russell for doing a great job uh, in the media department to get this teaching out to you, because I believe that it's relevant for today, you know. And, and I also want to thank our leadership at Bay Tehillah. Uh, I want to thank them for, for what they've done and what they're doing and what they're going to do, you know. We're all in different pastures right now, but we're actually still connected in the Spirit. So I want to thank the leadership here, also the board. And, uh, and I want to thank the congregation uh, and all those still giving tithes and offerings. I want to thank the congregation for keeping us in mind and for just really praying for this community uh, as we are scattered, but in the Spirit, we're together. And it's only for a season that we're going to be apart, but we're going to be back together again. You know, I can't help but think about that Muppet movie. You know, they got this little song, you know, where they were all separated. They all wanted to get back together. And I think it's called Together Again. And so, you know, we're going to be back together, rest assured, uh, because God is gathering. He's not scattering. So this is only for a season. I also want to thank Sarah for the PowerPoint. She, she put that together for me. And, of course, uh, I want to thank her as well and, and Kathy in the office. And so let's, let's jump right into this uh, particular teaching here. I was really praying about everything because we are still in a season of redemption. We are still in unleavened bread. Uh, and, of course, what's happening uh, is that we are still in a quarantine, okay? And so I just began to really just, just pray and seek the Lord. And uh, I've been gathering some information. I've been in my prayer closet uh, but the title of this teaching is, is only appropriate. Uh, it, it's called The Plague. And so I want to give you some information. I want to give you something uh, to think about, you know, because uh, we can go into some deep thought uh, about this plague. And we have a lot of questions, and we're still searching for answers. So let's continue uh, in this teaching, The Plague. What is coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19? Uh, Coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19 is a disease that can cause what doctors call a respiratory tract infection. It can affect your upper respiratory tract, your sinuses, nose, and throat, or lower respiratory tract, your windpipe, and your lungs. This is from WebMD. 
D. So that's a description of this, of course, this disease, the coronavirus. And of course, uh, the symptoms of COVID-19 is, of course, uh, a fever, a dry cough, and of course, fatigue. These are some of the symptoms of COVID-19. Just because you have these things doesn't mean you have the virus, but these are some of the symptoms. And of course, get medical attention right away if you have the following, okay? Get medical attention right away if you have the following. Uh, trouble breathing or shortness of breath, uh, ongoing chest pain or pressure, um, new confusion, uh, can't wake up fully, and of course, bluish lips or face. Once again, uh, these are just some signs, some symptoms of COVID-19. So I want to go over some statistics for you. Uh, that's, of course, as of April the 13th. Uh, statistics on the coronavirus worldwide as of April the 13th, 2020. This is from World-O-Meter. World-O-Meter is our source. Uh, how many cases? We have 1,912,438 cases currently today. And in, as far as deaths go, we have reached 118,683 deaths. This is Worldometer, the source, and this is, of course, worldwide. Moving on, statistics on the coronavirus uh, U.S. Uh, as of April the 13th, 2020. Once again, the, the resource is Worldometer. In the number of cases, 579,486. And, of course, as far as deaths go, there are 23,252 deaths in the United States of America. Here are some statistics on the coronavirus in the state of Florida. Once again, as of April the 13th, 2020, the uh, number of cases was 20,601, and the amount of deaths in the state of Florida as of April the 13th was 470. 470. So let's do a little microcosm here. Let's zoom in to Hillsborough County. Uh, statistics on the coronavirus for Hillsborough County, Florida, as of April the 13th, 2020. Positive cases in Florida and Hillsborough County, 790, okay, 790. And of course, Florida residents, uh, 770, and non-residents of Florida are 20. So predominantly, Florida residents are being affected, not non-residents. The ratio is 770 Florida residents, 20 non-residents. This is all public records, folks. And as far as hospitalizations, we have, of course, 100 and 24 hospitalizations, and 16 deaths. Once again, I shared this before, and I'll share it again. Hillsborough County is made up of 21 cities, okay, from Apollo Beach to Waimama. And believe it or not, Waimama is in Hillsborough County. Bill Carter, if you're watching this, and you and Linda, God bless you, and uh, stay safe. But once again, uh, uh, Apollo Beach to, to Waimama, 21 cities. Uh, it's estimated about 1.5 million people in Hillsborough County. Uh, you know, this is very interesting. You know, I was, I was sharing this with Micah as well. You know, imagine if everybody in Hillsborough County decided to go north. That's a picture of the Exodus 3,500 years ago. Imagine that. That's a picture of the Exodus 3,500 years ago. Imagine all of these places vacant, except for, you know, the Egyptians. So something to think about. 21 cities, 1.5 million people, and we've only had 16 deaths. Praise God. Thank you, Father. We lift up those uh, families that have lost a loved one. You know, we, we lift them up. We pray for them. We pray the Holy Spirit will comfort them. 
But this is real, you know. And here's a, uh, here's a picture under a microscope of what the coronavirus looks like. And what does it actually look like? You know, it actually looks like in World War II, they had these water mines, oceanic water mines, these mines that would float around the ocean, and the ships would hit it and explode, uh, you know, along the side of the ship, causing great damage. And so they would have to have uh, special ships out there to clean the channels out of these water mines. But it looks like a water mine with this little thing sticking out. You can actually get a picture uh, and compare it. But that's, this is what this thing looks like. It's highly contagious. It's dangerous. You know, and so once again, it is something not to be taken lightly. And this is, of course, a serious, serious virus. So as we come together on Shabbat and as we look for answers and we pray and we seek God, what can we do? What's our part? What are the instructions? Uh, here's the question. The question is, who is responsible for the plague of coronavirus? Okay, let me assure you, who's responsible? People want to say, well, it's China because it started in China. People want to say, well, it's the president, you know, of the United States of America. He's responsible because he didn't jump on it fast enough. All of these ludicrous things that we're just thinking about, we have to really go back and ask ourselves, who is responsible for the plague of coronavirus? And here's the answer. Man falls. It's mankind. It's mankind. And, of course, you can see this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and then, of course, Genesis chapter, uh, I would say, 3, verses 17 through 19. So let's, let's look at a few of these verses. Here we go. Genesis 2, 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Imagine that. Imagine that. Okay, Adam, let's have a powwow. Let's have a talk here. You can eat from any tree you want, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day that you do, you will die. It's interesting because the very next verse deals with, hey, you know, Adam was lonely. He was by himself. And what did God do? He created a helpmeet for him. He created a helpmeet for Adam. And so what took place? Of course, the serpent came. He deceived Eve. The blame game was going on. You know, Eve was saying, the serpent beguiled me. Adam was saying, it was that woman you gave me. But just remember that sin comes through Adam. Uh, it comes through man because man knew better. And even Eve was even telling the serpent that we are not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For those of you that are watching for the very first time, and you haven't heard this understanding, but to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually you decide what is good and what is evil. We have governments today, even our Supreme Court, you know, even in regards to same-sex marriage and all these other things. A marriage is between a man and a woman, but the Supreme Court comes along, see, and wants to change it. That's an example of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's calling good evil and evil good. That's just one example. And that's when death comes. That's when death comes. And also, what else? Sickness and disease. Not only did death enter into this world from a sin, but sickness and diseases as well. That's right. Not only did death enter into this world from a sin, but sickness and diseases as well. We were never meant to die. 
We weren't created for that. We were created to live forever, to be healthy, to be eternal beings. But because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, death has come into the world. Let's move on. The word plague is defined by Oxford. This is even in reference to this particular uh, virus. A contagious bacterial disease characterized by fever and delirium, typically with the formation of bubos or the bubonic plague, and sometimes infection of the lungs or pneumonic plague. This is actually defined by Oxford. Once again, this is a respiratory disease that we're dealing with right now. Interesting that God gives us breath, and our breath should, should be given back to the Lord in our praises and gratefulness. So that's the Oxford, uh, defined by Oxford. Uh, let's check out the definition of plague by Miriam Webster. It means to smite, infest, or afflict, or afflict with, or as if with disease, calamity, or natural evil. To smite, infest, or afflict with, or as if with disease, calamity, or natural evil. To cause worry or distress. To hamper or burden. This is interesting. To disturb or annoy persistently. We use this term, oh man, it was just like a plague, don't we? We use that as like a, a saying. Oh man, that was just like a plague. It means to disturb or annoy persistently. To cause worry or distress to, hamper or burden. That's what a plague is. There's nothing good about a plague. There's no good plague. There is no good plague. So here we go. Let's continue on in our study because once again, we ask the question, what about plagues? The first time that the word plague can be found in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. Going to give you some references here, get you some things to think about, because the blame game is going on right now. They're blaming everybody, okay? Even doctors and nurses, medical staff, hospitals, supply chains, okay? But let's look in the Bible and see if we can find some examples. And here's one. In Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Wow. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one more plague upon Pharaoh. Which plague was that? The death of the firstborn. Literally to take their breath. Very interesting. Notice, is that a respiratory plague? I don't know. We talk about the angel of death, the reaper, whatever it is. But once again, he uses the word plague. And who's going to bring the plague? The Lord. The Lord is bringing this plague in this example. So let's break up some of these words because we have, of course, different words in Hebrew, but we have the same word plague in English. So let's look at this. The word plague is number 5061 in the Strong's Concordance. It's the Hebrew word nega. Nega, and it means the following. A blow, figuratively, infliction. By implication, a spot. A leprous person or dress. A leprous person or dress. Sore, stricken, stripe, stroke, or wound. And here we have it. 
Those are not good things. So that's the description of this particular Hebrew word, negah, which is, of course, the word plague. A blow. Remember, a blow. It's one of these. Figuratively, an infliction. By implication, a spot to leave a mark. You know, when you get hit, you're left with a mark. Sore, stricken, stripe, stroke, or wound. So think about this, and you can do this study yourself. You know, I love having a strong concordance because you can really, really get into it. You can find the same word plague, number 5061, Nega, in the example of leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 2, all the way through chapter 14 in verse 54. Very interesting. You know, the, the Levites were the first dermatologists. So if you had a skin affliction or something wrong with your body, you didn't go to the medicine cabinet. You didn't go to the doctor. You went to the priest. You went to the priest and you, you showed him your symptoms. You showed him what was going on. And so right now, we're, of course, in the book of Leviticus, and we will be approaching uh, the Torah portion, uh, I believe, leprosy pretty soon here, if not next week. So just think about that. You can find the same word plague, negah, in the example of leprosy. A lot of references there with that particular word. You can also find the same word, number 5061, negah, in Genesis 12, 17. Now we're going to get into the story of Abraham. Okay, We're going to get into the story of Abraham here. This particular word is plagues, which is, once again, the Hebrew word, negah. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Wow. So Abram tells Sarai, hey, tell him you're my sister. I'm your brother. I don't want to die. I fear for my life. You're beautiful. And you know what? You're my sissy. I'm your brother. And so there was this lie. And so what happened is Pharaoh was plagued by God because he had Abram's wife, Sarai. And so once again, this is played out. You can see it for yourself. This is an interesting situation. So think about the first situation, right? God says, I'm going to plague Pharaoh and take his firstborn. I'm going to bring about the death of the firstborn because they belong to me. I am the Lord. I will put this plague on. This is what I'm going to do. This will be the last and final plague. Once again, the 10 plagues in Egypt during the time of Pesach or Passover. Remember, there's no good plague. A plague is a plague is a plague. Now we have a situation where Abram and Sarai were separated, and this Pharaoh, right, and his house had plagues. And so Abram had to tell the truth. She's really my wife. Why didn't you tell me? We could have sinned. We could have done it. And so once again, you know, we see where Abram lied to spare his life. And you'll see that lying runs in the house of Israel because Isaac did it. Jacob did it. You know, the spirit of lying or telling a lie, a fib, was handed down. Uh, even Isaac did it. You know, this is my sister. He was referencing, of course, who? Rebecca. And, of course, what happened with Jacob? He lied and says that he was Esau. So you can see this being handed down throughout the family even today. It's very interesting. Uh, moving on here. The second time that the word plague uh, can be found in the Bible is in Exodus 12, 13. This is the, uh, the, in, in the Strong's Concordance. It's number 5063. Let's check this out. 
Exodus 12, 13, this is what it says. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Wow. I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. It's interesting. This is about Passover, right? I will pass over. Pesach, it means to hop. It's going to skip that house that put the blood on the doorpost. It's going to skip that house. It's interesting, you know, when you have tornadoes and it just goes down a street and just destroys every house and jumps over one. It's the same picture. Why are some houses destroyed in a line and some houses are spared? This is a good example of this. It means to hop. It actually, the connotation, I will pass over, literally means to dance. It's, it's amazing. You can look this up for yourself. Number 5063 in the Strong's Recordance, it's the Hebrew word negef. What does it mean? A trip of the foot, figuratively, an infliction of disease, a stumbling. You know, you're going along, you're healthy, you're fine. Next thing you know, you got all these symptoms, and it's like a trip of the foot. You were just fine. You just had a great dinner. You just watched Netflix. And now all of a sudden, you've come down with something. But you were fine the day before. And now all of a sudden, it's like a trip of the foot. Like somebody stuck their foot out. And that's what the, the plague is likened to. This is causing me to stumble now. How could I have this? How, how could I be in this? What, what is going on here? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I hope this is helping some of you, to get past your own self and concentrate on him. Now, let's move on because there's many examples here. It usually described a plague that God sent on a disobedient people. Exodus 12, 13, uh, Exodus 30, verse 12, Numbers chapter 8, verse 17, and of course, Joshua chapter 22, verse 17. It usually described a plague that God sent on a disobedient people. So disobedience can bring a plague. Remember, it's painful. It leaves a mark. It hurts. Let's look at Exodus 30, verse 12. The giving of a half shekel. Exodus 30, verse 12. It's the Hebrew word negeth. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them. When thou numberest them. When thou numberest them. This is about obedience. It's the half shekel. It's the giving of the half shekel, like a ransom. They call it like a tax, but it's, but it's for your soul. It's for your soul, so no plague may come upon you. So once again, this is protocol. That there be no plague among them. So it's like count me among the people. Here's my half shekel. I'm in. Boom. The plague will not get you. You mean if I don't do the half shekel, I could get a plague? Yes. Yes, yes, you can, right? Just reverse it. No half shekel, plague. Half shekel, no plague. Well, I don't believe, well, you better believe it. It's God's word. And you know what's interesting? Most of these examples, 
God's plaguing his own people. The plagues are hitting God's people. And we're going to discover a lot of reasons why. What about the golden calf? In Exodus chapter 32, verse 35, the very last verse in this chapter. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. The word plagued is nagaf, number 5062 in the Strong Concordance. 5062, Nagaf. Now remember, 3,000 died by the sword among the Levitical priesthood. The Levites who came along Moses executed a judgment with 3,000 dying by the sword. But here, you also have where the Lord plagued the people. Well, you can say, well, that's not fair. Well, that's not just. He's sovereign. He's God and you're not. I love Ecclesiastes. You read it at the time of Tabernacles, but at the end of the book, it's like, fear God, keep his commandments, right? Hear the voice of God, keep his covenant. Hear the voice of God, keep his covenant. Hear the voice of God, keep his covenant. What happened? God sends the prophets. Why? They quit hearing the voice of God, and they, of course, got out of the covenant, quit following the covenant. So we don't even know how many died. We know 3,000 died by the sword, and it's a numbers game, isn't it? I gave you a bunch of numbers in the beginning of my teaching. It's a numbers game, because numbers don't lie. Three famous words. Numbers don't lie. Maybe I should be a CPA. But check this out. I love this. God's got safeguards. The Levites were given to the children of Israel to make atonement for them in the tabernacle so there would be no plague. See, the priesthood was for the people, to help them, to guide them, to teach them the Torah, to teach them the ways of God. And look what we have today. We have social media. We have academia. We have the information age. When we get in trouble, we can go to the medicine cabinet and pop some pills. We can go to the bar and have a few drinks. Or we could just spill our guts to somebody else that doesn't even care about you. Or you could go to the priest. So look at what this says. Look at this. The golden calf. Here it is. I just explained it to you. The Levites were given to the children of Israel to make atonement for them in the tabernacle so there would be no plague. Boy, if anything ever stood out to me in this teaching, it's that God's plaguing his own people. He's no respecter of persons. We look at the world and what's happening, but these are all examples of God saying, I'm going to plague my own children. Now remember, a plague brings pain. It's like chastisement. It can leave a mark, like chicken pox. leaves a mark. It's a disease. Remember that. So check this out. Numbers 8.19. Negef. Numbers 8.19, and I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and to his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation and to make an atonement for the children of Israel that there be no plague among the children of Israel. When the children of Israel come nigh unto the sanctuary. That was the job of the priests, to assist you, to help you, to, to keep you obedient. Because it was their responsibility to teach you the Torah so that you would not have the plague. 
Think about all the people that have no religious belief system. They don't even believe in God. It's easy to see a plague hitting them. But what about those that are disobedient to God, like his own children? It's a plague. I know this is a reality. I'm just sharing the word. This is not what I think. This is not my opinion. But look at this. The Lord put a plague on the people when they lusted after quail. Numbers chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. Be careful what you ask for. They were not grateful with the manna. It wasn't enough. We want meat like we had in Egypt. Onions, leeks, you know, that's what we want. In Numbers 11, verses 33 and 34. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Ha-Ta'ava, because there they buried the people that lusted. You have not because you ask not. Think about those things that you're asking for. Be careful. One of my prayers is, Lord, don't give me anything that I ask for that's not good for me. Don't give me anything that's not of your will, Lord. Don't let me have it. Withhold it. Because they lusted after meat. And they buried the people that lusted. It says right there, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Everyone's searching for answers. Who's responsible? What do we do? There's probably more questions than answers after this. Now, this particular word is uh, in the Strong's Concordance. The word plague, number 4347, is the Hebrew word makah in the Strong's Concordance, and it means the following. This is makah. They lusted after quail. Here's, here's what this means. There was a blow, a wound, carnage, pestilence, a stripe, and a stroke. I would say that pestilence and plague is a synonym. Once again, a blow, a wound, carnage, pestilence, a stripe, a stroke. That's actually leaving a mark. Carnage, a wound, a blow, pestilence, a stripe, a stroke. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. Think about how many stripes Yeshua took on his back with a cat of nine tails, with broken bone fragments or glass or whatever metal across his back. By his stripes, we are healed. So why don't we acknowledge that in Isaiah 53? By his stripes, we are healed. So with the plague comes the punishment. So Yeshua, Jesus, our, our, you know, our Savior, took a stripe, took a stroke, which is a plague, like a plague. Let's move on. The 10 leaders who came back with an evil report from the promised land died by a plague. I want to share this with you after over 20 years of studying the Torah. God didn't send the spies or the leaders into the land, prominent leaders into the land, to decide or think about or vote whether they could take the land or not. He sent them over, literally, it's in the Hebrew, it means, and it's kind of funny. He sent them over there like tourists. 
How many, when you're a tourist, you have a good time and you go to all the, uh, all the places, all the sites, all the events, because you're a tourist, right? Right? Think about it. But look what happened. Numbers 14, 37. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. They came back and they said, we can't take the land, we can't go in there because of all these circumstances. God didn't ask them whether they could take the land or not. He wanted them to go to see it for themselves. They pushed the envelope. They're gonna get the land. God promised it. Just like today as I'm sharing this and teaching this, some of us are gonna live in the land before he comes back. Either way, we're gonna be in the land. I believe that. Even, even people in the past would say, aren't you afraid to go to Israel? It's just like back then with the evil report, but there's giants in, in the land. and We're like grasshoppers. It's the exact same thing that's happening today. Listen, Lithia Pinecrest is more dangerous than the state of Israel. They've been working on construction now for I don't know how long, but I'm believing during the counting of the Omer, they're going to finish Lithia Pinecrest. All that work for some churning lanes. Think about it. I want you to think about this. They died by the plague before the Lord. The word plague, number 40, 46, is the Hebrew word magapah or magapah in the Strong's Concordance, and it means the following, a pestilence, defeat, slaughter, stroke. They had a stroke. He took them out. A slaughter, a pestilence, defeat. This is just the word plague I'm using. So think about that. How important is that even today in the times in which we live for those of us that love the land of Israel, love the Jewish people, respect Judaism, love Hayovel, Tommy and Sharon Waller. We, we love the Waller family. How much more as Christians should we rise up to the occasion in regards to the land? But there's more examples here as there was this transition from Egypt to the wilderness to the promised land, just like even today, there's a transition from a basic evangelical Christian to one who has his Hebrew roots. There's this change happening. After the death of Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and 250 princes, because of their rebellion, the children of Israel accused Moses and Aaron of murder. The Lord put a plague upon the people for their murmuring. Numbers chapter 16, verses 46 through 50. So Korah was bad news. He came against Moses, right? So did uh, Dathan and Abiram. 250 princes, prominent people now. These were very prominent people in the community. God took them out right? Earth swallowed them up, fire from the Lord. Look what happened here. Numbers chapter 16, verses 46 and 47. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly into the congregation. 
and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. So we have all the dead here. He says the plague has begun. Go get your incense in your pan and begin to run and make intercession. Look what, look what happens here. Verse 47 of number 16. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And made an atonement for the people. So people were dying. He sees them. They're dead. They're dying. They're gasping for their last breath. He runs past them. He runs into the crowd through the people. And look at what it says here. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. So think about that. People complain and murmur, and they blame, you know, they blame Moses and Aaron for taking out, you know, the false leaders, the wannabe leaders. God takes them out. The people are mad. They blame Moses and Aaron for God's judgment. And so this was literally spreading like a plague, this disobedience, this disrespect, this failure to respect the leadership that God had established. Remember that. So you have Korah dying and the 250 princes, 14,700. 14,700. Those are exact numbers. Just like the numbers today in the coronavirus. You can get those numbers. Are they exact? Absolutely not. Third world countries, how can they even keep good records or whatever? But we still have a count. How many got the virus? How many died? How many pulled through? Even right now, how many got it? got healed, and got it again. There's numbers. And Aaron returned to Moses and to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. As we repent and as we become obedient, this plague is going away, folks. I know that it is. You know, when, when the Lord sends a plague, it serves its purpose. And some people are saying, oh, it's going to come back even worse and even more. Well, I don't know. I don't see it happening in this particular case in, in the Bible. But that's what they're speculating. Why? So they can drum up a spirit of fear. Put fear in you. And you'll be fear, fearful of being around people. Or even going back to church. How many people are going to have enough faith to go back to church? Because we're commanded to come together. Right now, we're in a quarantine because it's wisdom. It makes sense. But this too will pass, just like these plagues. Is this a good word? Yes, it is. Once again, intercession. We need to be interceding. I got to hand it to the President of the United States of America, President Trump. We need to lift him up. We need to pray for him. He's under an incredible amount of pressure. He has to make decisions, just like I did, to shut it down. 
I could have continued to meet here and invite anybody that they wanted, but I made a, I made a conscious decision based upon my leadership and the board and prayer. It's okay to shut the church down for a little bit. It's gonna be all right because we can follow instructions. But we're gonna be back together and we're gonna be more grateful and stronger and better than we've ever been, especially the next generation. I believe that. So we need to be making intercession and praying against this, this disease. But look what happens. Another situation, another circumstance. After a generation died in the wilderness, the children of Israel were seduced by the Moabite women and committed not only sexual immorality, but idolatry as well. Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. They're on the banks of the Jordan River, the plains of Moab. They're there just a few months. Generation dies in the wilderness, and here they are getting ready to go into the promised land. They're right there, the next generation, because one had already died in the wilderness. This is the next generation. And look at what happens. Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. And Israel abode in Sheatim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. This is similar to the golden calf incident when they left Egypt. They said what happened in that particular circumstance or that event, they committed idolatry, which led them to sexual immorality. At one point in the golden calf incident, it says that they were naked. So once again, idolatry and sexual immorality go together. Wherever there's sexual immorality, there's idolatry. Wherever there's idolatry, there is sexual immorality. So here we have the reverse. They go into whoredom, and then they go into idolatry. They do sexual immorality first, and then they fall into, of course, idolatry. I believe we're at that place right now in the earth today with our culture and the times in which we live. The two things that are coming against us is the occult and sexual immorality. It's rampant. Remember, this is after the story of Balaam, who was a false prophet, who practiced divination. He tried to curse Israel, but couldn't. So what happens? They end up cursing themselves. I love it because we all have to take responsibility for ourselves. You can't play the blame game. You can't go on a talk show and blame your mom and dad. You have to be responsible for your own life. And that's what we need today. So when this happened, we have a hero in this story. Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, stayed the plague by his righteous action. He saw something, he took matters into his own hands. Numbers chapter 25, verses 7 through 9. He stayed the plague by his righteous action. And when Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. Continue on. Numbers 25, verse 8. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. Once again, a plague 
and the number is given. It's a numbers game, isn't it? Every life is precious. Every death, even in Hillsborough County, even if it's 16, each one of those lives are precious, made in the image of God. So he takes matters into his own hands, catches them in the act, and takes them out. Just takes them out. And he did it upon himself. Now, this is outright blatant sin. I'm not going to go into detail, but this is outright blatant sin. Phineas didn't sit back and watch it and change the channel. No, he took a spear, and he did something. And then, by the way, the Lord blessed him for taking the action that he did. We all have to take a right action. I'm not take, taking a spear to nobody, but we have to take a right action. After the plague, the Lord had Moses take another census. Numbers chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. So remember, they already had the first census. Now they're going to take a second census. Notice, we are in the year of a census. Right now, we're in the year of a census. After the plague, the Lord had Moses take another census. And you're going to find out in this census, there's less people than when they started, which is kind of sad because people died from these plagues because of disobedience. They just couldn't do what they were told. Numbers chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, And it came to pass after the plague that the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saying, Take the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and upward throughout their father's house, all that are able to go to war. They're going to count all the men among the children of Israel from 20 years old and upward. They're going to count them. Somebody see that? This was after the plague. It came to pass after the plague. So I believe after the coronavirus, we're going to be counted on. God's going to be counting on us. Right? The punishment for disobedience can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 60 and 61. Think about that. The punishment for disobedience. Remember the blessings and the cursings? That chapter, chapter 28. Let's check out Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 60 and 61. This is going to be the word makah as far as the word for plague. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Wow. Wow. A lot of bad things can happen when you get into the curses versus the blessings. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is the Hebrew word makah. But think about this, though. Here's another example of God putting a plague on a different set of people. God puts a plague on the Philistines for taking the ark and putting it in a pagan temple. Remember, the ark was taken during this transition between the book of Judges and the monarchy. God puts a plague on the Philistines for taking the ark and putting it in a pagan temple. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 9, and chapter 6 and verse 4. Let's check out 1 Samuel 5, 9. And it was so that after they had carried it about, the Philistines, the, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city both small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. 
God literally struck the Philistines with hemorrhoids. And if you've never had hemorrhoids, you've never had a real plague. In the secret parts, preparation H. I mean, think about it, everybody. It's right here. He put hemorrhoids on the Philistines. And look what happened here. 1 Samuel 6, 4. Magephah. Then said they, what shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on you all and on your lords. Hemorrhoids. Emeralds in the King James Version of the Bible. Wow. That's specific. Notice these plagues have a variety of, a variety of symptoms. And that's why I wanted to share these different words, Hebrew words for plague, because God can, can strike us in different ways. Uh, it's part of the chastisement. Let's, let's move on. What about King David? King David is judged by God for taking a census. He chooses a three-day pestilence or plague instead of a seven-year famine or to be pursued by his enemies for three months. He wants to take a census. There's a lot of debate over this. Maybe it was pride. He wanted to see how big his army was. Some have said that he wanted to count everybody so he could properly tax them and bring in more revenue. It's all speculation. But he took the census and he was actually, this nephew Joab tried to talk him out of it. He continued with it anyway. I do believe it, it took nine months. But the prophet approaches him and says, David, you have a choice from the Lord. Because the judgment of God is final. He said, you can have seven-year famine. You can have your enemies pursue you for three months incessantly. Or you can have a three-day pestilence or a plague. What did David choose? We're going to see. 2 Samuel 24, verse 15. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. Why do they tell us how many died? Because it's important. Because it's important. It wouldn't be in the Scriptures unless it was important. I'm checking on the, the amount of active cases of coronavirus and deaths myself. Looking for that curve to go down. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 25, the Hebrew word is magaphah, once again, for the word plague. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. The plague was stayed from Israel. This might seem a lot, but if you like the PowerPoint, just contact us at info at twopraise.net and we'll send it to you. This is my own study. It's just this week. Seek and you shall find. We're getting to some good stuff here. We're moving our way through the scriptures. The prophecy of the future plague in regard to the city of Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12 and 15. Think about this. In Zechariah 14, 12, a prophecy in regard to the city of Jerusalem. 
That's where his name is. We are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's check this out. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Once again, and this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. We should be lifting up Jerusalem, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Think about all these organizations, the people that are against Jerusalem or the Jewish people or Israel. Is this what you want? You want that plague? I don't. Look at Zechariah 14, 15. Magaphah. This is the Hebrew word, number 40, 46. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camels, and of the donkeys, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. This is a prophecy. We should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We should care about Jerusalem. Think about it. But we have more prophecies. Guess what? Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy, and we should study the book of Daniel. It's the skeleton of prophecy, and then we take the prophets, and we put all the meat on that skeleton, and then we move forward, because Zechariah is the bridge to the book of Revelation. So once you study Daniel, go into Zechariah, and then you go into the book of Revelation. I want to thank Perry Stone for that observation. Let's get into the book of Revelation and, and see something. In regard to plagues, Revelation 9, verses 20 and 21, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. This is outright lawlessness. Materialism. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. This is a time for repentance in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. That's Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Let's, let's go through and look at the two prophets. Revelation eleven six. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Some say it's Moses and Elijah. I don't know. The prophet and the lawgiver. I don't know. But anyway, wow and have power over waters to turn them to blood. Have we seen that before in the Exodus story? And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So now these people are calling down plagues. Revelation 15, verse 1 and 8, the seven plagues, verse 1 of chapter 15, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. The word plagues. Get into the book of Revelation. It's Jesus revealed. The vials of wrath in Revelation 16, 9. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. 
We need to live in repentance. And they repented not to give him glory. Let people see us on our knees. Let us, let us be praying forgiveness. Continuing on in Revelation 16, 21, the vials of wrath and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now a description of a plague, hail is considered a plague. Why? It can leave a mark in nature, on your body, on your car. Hailstones. Revelation 18.4, Babylon, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Revelation 18.4. Revelation 18.8, therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Once again, therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Man, that's tough. But we're moving on, right? New Jerusalem, look at that. Revelation 21, 9, and there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. We gotta go back and look at this stuff. New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 9. What about warnings in Revelation 22, 18? For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Plagues are biblical, biblical plagues. Just like 3,500 years ago in the 10 plagues, now we're seeing the coronavirus. Now in the Greek, the word plague and plagues is the Greek word plege, and it means the following. A stroke, by implication a wound, figuratively a calamity, a stripe. A stripe. I want you to think about that. A calamity, a stripe. Once again, a plague leaves a mark. To show you how bad sin is, it always leaves a mark. In closing, Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. We have Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. I was really praying and seeking the Lord. And on Sunday... I was out by the pool and in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, something came over me, something inspired me to check this out. And I think it's relevant for today. This is the best part of the teaching right here. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 37 38, I'm closing it out here in prayer. This is what Solomon says. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be. He's praying this at the dedication of the temple at Tabernacles. Whatsoever sickness there be, whatsoever plague. 
What prayer or supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house right here, toward this house. There's going to be a future temple. Yeah, we're the temple of God, but there's a future temple coming. So check out this prayer. 1 Kings chapter 8, check it out. What prayer and supplications soever be made by any man, any man, or by all thy people Israel, any man and Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. Means everyone's plague, every man's plague in his heart. Think about it. Think about it. What prayer or supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house. Amen. So that's what we do. We come and we face east. And we come to this altar of incense. And we lift up our hands and we say, Father, forgive us for lawlessness. Forgive us for disobedience. Forgive us for coming against authority and your divine order. Father, we stretch forth our hands, and each one of us has something in our heart that needs to be dealt with. We need forgiveness. So, Father, please forgive Beit Tehillah, the leadership. Forgive all the sheep. Forgive all of us of our sins, Father. Every one of us has a struggle, Father. Every one of us has to deal with something. And so we pray, Father. We pray right now, Father, towards Jerusalem, towards Jerusalem, at this altar of incense, which is a symbol. We stretch forth our hands. And we ask for forgiveness, Father, and heal our land of this plague. Heal the earth of this plague. We command it to go in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. We pray, amen. Praise the Lord. Go back and check it out for yourself. Take this word to the Lord. In closing, I want to encourage all of you to read Psalm 91 every night. Read Psalm 91. I just have a few verses to show you. In Psalm 91, verse 3, it says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Once again, pestilence is a plague. Plague is a pestilence. You can study that out for yourself. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at Noonday. Remember Psalm 91 during the Persian Gulf War. We prayed this so that God would protect our soldiers. Well, now we need God to protect the world. We need God to protect our nation and our church and our church family. Last verse. There's the pestilence. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of pestilence. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Didn't get it up there in time. Psalm 91, verses 3 and 6. Pestilence is not good. Pestilence. Last verse. Psalm 91, verse 10. In regards to the plague, it's the Hebrew word negah, number 5061. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh to thy dwelling. Thank you, Father, for showing us the path, the ancient path. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be obedient, to hear your voice and to obey. Once again, closing, 
Some reasons for a plague that I've shared with you. Some reasons for a plague. Lawlessness in the land or in the earth, just outright lawlessness, a plague can come. Number two, not respecting divine order or the chain of command or leadership. As the husband looks to Christ, the wife looks to the husband, the children look to the parents, not respecting divine order or the chain of command. We pray that God will restore divine order and the chain of command. It's like wishing harm on our government and and the officials and, and our president and the vice president. We need to be praying for them in Congress and senators. Last but not least, we have lawlessness, not respecting divine order or the chain of command. Lastly, a plague can come because of disobedience. That's in closing. So take this to the Lord. Go before the Lord. You are his sons and daughters. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. And we should fear the Lord. And you should take the coronavirus seriously. You should take this plague seriously. It's not a hoax. It's real. Just like the plagues in the Bible, the biblical plagues, these are being played out today. And I just scratched the surface. Go to the book of Revelation. Check this stuff out. And then you can witness and do all of that. So Shabbat Shalom, everyone.